and gentlemen, welcome to Unapologetic Live. I'm your host, Amala Epinobi, and we're a little late today because the whole crew was up to something. You notice when our two chair seats right here, Taylor's here, boom. Happy Friday. Scott's in the in the producer's bay, although there, there you go. go. You can see him. All right, guys. And we're here today a little late because we went and watched Nope, directed, produced, and written by none other than Jordan Peel, you guys know him as the director of both Get Out and Us, and this is his newest film. So we went and saw it this morning, went and checked it out, and you know what? I was actually kind of shocked because I thought it was going to be this super crazy woke uh, movie, and it didn't end up being quite that. So we are going to get into that today and talk about uh, the whole process of going to see it. Um, when I had first seen Get Out, I thought, okay, I know exactly what we're going to get from this. This is going to be super woke. It's going to talk about white people and all this stuff and how they utilize black people. And when I went and saw it, I was actually kind of shocked. There was, of course, a lot of wokeness to that film in particular. But we also got to see, uh, you know, a calling out of white liberals. Uh, the famous white actor who plays the dad in Get Out saying, you know, I voted for Obama twice, just to let you know. Uh, and... It's certainly multifaceted, but Jordan Peele has come out and as a director say that race informs a lot of the decisions that he's make that he makes when he's creating a film. And I think this film itself is no exception. So we're going to get into that. First, I just want to show you guys the trailer just in case you haven't heard about this film. They've been very sort of cryptic and secretive about what they put out as far as what the plot's about uh, and, and how the film progresses. But let's go ahead and check out the trailer. Did you know that the very first assembly of photographs to create a motion picture was a two-second clip of a black man on a horse? And that man is my great-great-grandfather. Great. There's another great-grandfather. But that's why back at the Haywood Ranch, as the only black-owned horse trainers in Hollywood, we like to say since the moment pictures could move, yeah, skin in the game. What's a bad miracle? They got work for that. Nah, nah, nah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I love a good film trailer. I, I can't lie. And this is a good film trailer. So uh, for those of you who know me, you know that I do not 
like whatsoever. I don't like horror. And I think Taylor and Scott can speak to the fact that this was not a super horror film. We basically had to drag you there today. (laughs) (laughs) I really do not like horror movies whatsoever. I don't like blood. I don't like gore. And I think I could watch this movie all the way through. I didn't have to like shield my eyes or anything that much. I was pretty good. (laughs) I did pretty good. The best part was coming back from the bathroom and during the trailers, you were looking away from the (laughs) Halloween, the Halloween trailer that was going on. (laughs) I can't look at it. In the trailer, he was like trying to put her hand in the garbage disposal. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. I'm not going to sit and watch anything like that. And we're going to get into the film a little bit later in the show today, and we will get into spoilers. So I will warn you guys before we get into that, this is a film that you are planning on going to see. Uh, so we're going to go through some spoilers later on. First, I want to react to an interview that Jordan Peter, uh, that Jordan Peele, not Jordan Peterson. <laughs> I wish there were Jordan Well, the Peterson. thing about the film is that aliens are a formidable foe. I had apple cider vinegar and it was the most horrifying experience <laughs> of my life. The scariest thing about the film is the apple cider vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, no, not Jordan Peterson. We're going to get into uh, an interview that Jordan Peele did on uh, the, the Today Show. And after that, we'll start talking about the film. So I will warn you before we get into spoilers here. Let me get this video loaded up for you guys so that you guys can see. Of course, we get the YouTube ads that we have to go through because Amal is unprepared for her own stream (laughs) but yeah i don't do well with horror as i was saying and this film did not feel like a horror film it was definitely suspenseful it was definitely a a thriller and there might be some scenes that if you can't do a little bit of gore you might want to look away from but other than that i did well and if i can do well in this film that means you can too let's get into this interview for the today show see what jordan peele has to say experience worthy of of going to the movies i read uh in an interview recently that that you you maintain this is not a film that could have been made five years ago. Why not? I think this idea of, you know, letting a black director put his vision into a, a film and commit to it. Let's put it this way. Five years ago, I didn't think they would ever let me do that. So much of my career before I became a director was, you know, marred with this uh, internalized sense that I could never be allowed to do that, that no one would ever trust me with money, you know, enough money to do my vision. Yeah. The way. Pause. Okay. So there's like a lot of, here's, here's what I have to say. We're, we're obviously going to get into the wokeness of the film, which I don't feel as though was that woke, but because you have this in the background and what he's saying about being a director, a writer, a producer, it, it really does muddy the waters of watching the film. And Taylor sort of mentioned this after we got out, like I went in already on the edge of my seat, like waiting for the message that was going to be pushed forth in this film, waiting for the racialization of this because we, we saw these interviews beforehand and we heard what Jordan Peele had to say about, you know, being a black director and race is never separated from the things that you do. And What's interesting is Jordan Peele's pretty famous, and he's been pretty famous for quite some time. You guys probably recognize him from Key and Peele, and if not that, you know him from Get Out in his movie Us. So this idea that he could not have created this film five years ago. You said what? Get Out came out five years ago, right? Yeah, in 2017. So uh, this film is obviously much higher budget than Get Out was. So maybe that's what he's speaking to. I don't think I had proven myself enough to receive the budget that I got to create a film like Nope today. You were still creating blockbuster movies five years ago as a black director. And 
what it speaks to for me is exactly what my experience was with the idea of racism and internalizing that idea of racism. So much of the barriers set in place to your own success are barriers that you put there for yourself because of the, the narrative that you've been told, because of the ideas that you've accepted as an individual. And when I was younger, I had accepted that because I was black in America, things were going to be harder and people were going to judge me more than they judged other people. And that muddied the waters of my own brain and what I was able to accomplish and the things that I would go after and my confidence in going after those things. It was super unconfident. And, and that was one of the reasons why. So that seems to be the issue here. Like clearly Jordan Peele is somebody who's capable of creative genius. We know that whether it yeah. has a political message behind it or not. And because you've allowed this idea of racism to just infiltrate your mind, it's held back your own genius. Yeah, and just to the to the whole point of like five years ago, no one would have trusted me with the money uh, because black directors just can't get the access. I I just quickly Googled um, the budget for this film was sixty eight million uh, in twenty sixteen. Ava DuVernay, black director, directed A Wrinkle in Time for a hundred million dollar budget. So so it's possible. Yeah, and like ever heard of Spike Lee? There's lots of black directors who've done big budget films over the years. So I don't by that point. But it's interesting that he feels the need to insert that into this narrative around his film, which is why I think we went into it with this sense of like, oh, Lord, where's it coming? Where's right. the wokeness coming? Which, again, we'll get into it. And it wasn't really that bad. But no. it's just your your worldview does end up going into your art, I yeah. think. And, and your message does come through uh, one way or another. So any notes before we move on here, Scott? I know Scott's the film major among us, by the way, guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would definitely hammer down the same point that Taylor's making. Um, you know, there there have been black directors over the years that have had large budget movies. Mm -hmm. So for him to say this is, is kind of just out of left field. Um, I think it's one of those in the moment sort of situations. Um, and, and to your point about, yeah, your worldview seeps into the art that you make. That's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. um, and the crazy thing about this, I know we started off talking about how like the movie isn't really all that woke, um, which that's true on the surface, 100% agree with that. But at the same time, his messaging and the way in which he's depicting these different layers of the story are 100% through the woke lens. Right. Um, and, and it just seems like he hasn't been able to separate himself like that. And he just keeps doubling down and doubling down. Well, tripling down and quadrupling <laughs> right. down. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. It's almost like the LeBron James effect. You know, you got this black man who's made himself wildly successful in something that he's chosen to take on, yet still is so attached to the, the idea of racism. Now, I can't speak to his individual experiences. Like, he's been in Hollywood for a really long time. I'm sure there have been instances of racism that he's faced in some way, shape, or form that have probably informed what he says now, but it's very much in that same vein as LeBron James. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're looking at Jordan Peele. He's an Oscar winner, too. I, I forgot that point, too, and somebody mentioned that in the comments. In 2018, he got an Oscar for, I think, the screenplay of Get Out and was nominated for, like, a bunch of other Oscars. I think he was even nominated for Best Picture for that movie. Yeah, I believe it was, like, uh, original script um, or That's original so story. Yeah, it was something along those lines. Um yeah, it was, uh, he, he's had success. That's yes. what's so crazy. Yeah, and the, I think similar to your point about LeBron James, is no one is questioning uh, Jordan Peele's talent as a director, as a mm -hmm. creator. Mm -hmm. um, he's clearly extremely talented and right. a creative genius. And it, it's fair to say that. And right, if you say. just watch it, we just watched this film. I mean, it was genius. really, really well made <laughs> and really, really creatively expressing what he wants to express. And there are a lot of layers to it that are really great social commentary and commentary on the Hollywood uh, industry, as mm -hmm. Scott's so eloquently pointed out to us earlier. Uh, but it's just the, the you know, 
inevitably in your art you're putting forth a message and uh, with that comes the uh, you're subject to criticism people can critique the message that you're sending um, for good or bad and there's also what you say around it you know you're you are giving context to your art and how it should be interpreted when you're infusing this race narrative into it. So, of course, we're going to react to that. Right, right. And just for context here, yeah, so Best Original Screenplay he won for Get Out, was nominated Best Picture for Black Klansman, nominated Best Picture for Get Out, nominated Best Director for Get Out as well in 2018. Yeah, I think five years ago, it was also a moment where he was very new to the Hollywood scene in Mm -hmm. directing and writing and and producing. And it's, you know, studios aren't going to necessarily hand out $200 million projects to nascent producers and directors it's just that's the way it kind of goes you have to prove yourself and he obviously has right that's why he has the budget now and his background is comedy too that's another thing to be like oh i'm i'm my background is comedy and i know i've proven myself here but i'd love to do horror i'd love to do a thriller and can i get x amount of millions of dollars to produce something like this it takes a minute so he's jumped from what you said like 15 or 16 million on get out to mm-hmm. to 60 yeah. which is insane a huge jump and when you're worthy of getting and i think yep. like that's that's the thing uh about this whole racialized narrative that really gets me is this idea that you can't prove yourself and even if there was racism like prove people wrong and he's done exactly that if that was even the case which i don't think it is like people were ready to take on his creativity people were ready to hear what he had to say and that's proven and when you have sheer talent and and I know a lot of people say this isn't true, but when you have sheer talent and you really put it in the hustle to really show people what you've created, it it shines through. Yeah, and to your point, no one is no one thinks that Jordan Peele is like an affirmative action director. No. Like, you know, they're not giving him money because like, oh, no. we just got to give a black guy some money because so we not. look good. Like, no, he's earned it. And right. but like you said, there was an incremental process to that, and maybe it makes sense why your first film you don't get this giant budget. That's not because you're oppressed. It's because uh, you're just have to prove yourself like anyone else did. Yeah. So let's keep watching this interview and see what else he has to say about it. They would trust other people. I just I felt that that was true, and so here I am, Universal Studios. They they've proven me wrong. Good. A decade ago, a young Jordan Peele, alongside his comedy partner Keegan Michael Key, kept audiences laughing with their hilarious sketch comedy series Key and Peele. Today, Peele is one of the hottest directors in Hollywood. He's forged an ongoing partnership with Oscar-winning actor Daniel Kaluuya. Who's great, who's by the way. starring in No and previously Get Out, Peele's 2017 directorial debut. What is it about working with Daniel that, that makes it so special? Uh, Daniel, I, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. He's my favorite actor um, to watch and, and to work with as well. We have a shorthand that is just the dream as a director. Yeah, man, that's my, that's my uh, star. And while horror is a key component of every Jordan Peele movie, whether it's subtle or overt, the issue of race is always woven into the plot. Mm. I think it's impossible to make any movie without it being about race because, you know, race is all around us. And there it is. Mm. So you, when you hear something like that, it, it, big statement, it's impossible to make any movie without race being a factor in it because we are surrounded by it it's in it's in all of us it's in every it's in every facet of our life now that's an idea 
that believe it or not guys is is backed up by critical race theory that yeah. is in essence exactly what critical race theory is so if you look back into crt and in the foundations of it from the 1970s with people like Derek bell Derek bell being the true foundational critical race theorist he writes that in every facet of our society in our lives race and racism is a factor that we have to take into account and it's the a lens that we have to view the world through and that's exactly what is expressed here so when you are listening to the news or cnn if you guys ever do that anymore and they talk about critical race theory and they say well these things are not being talked about we're not discussing these things it's not in film it's not in media it's not in schools it's not in these corporations this is not critical race theory critical race theory is a law theory is what they will say Read into the law theory, because that's one of the main tenets. You cannot run from it. And although we've stepped out of law and now introduced the idea to film, it's exactly what he just expressed and exactly what he just said. So it's an in intellectually dishonest argument to say that this is not, in essence, critical race theory. It's exactly what he just said there. Yeah. Um, one of the tenets they, they say is uh, it's not the question of whether racism occurred. It's how did racism occur? And it's right. a whole world view where that's baked into it. I'm reminded of an episode we did earlier this week um, where you reacted to uh, the the uncomfortable conversations with the black um, black man, Emmanuel Acho's um, series. And he on one of those episodes that we reacted to, he had some interracial couples. And basically they were talking about how happy they were in their interracial relationships. But he kept trying to like drag them back into. <laughs> Yeah, but isn't there like racism factors that go into this? And isn't, aren't you right. being like disloyal to your race? And he kept like, because it was just clear that he sees the world through that lens and cannot escape it. And so everything in his show and everything in his entire worldview, I even leaned over to Omelette at the beginning of the movie and I was like, this looks like, or one of the previews that mm -hmm. was, that had some woke stuff in it. I was like, this uh, was, was this produced by Emmanuel Acho? Because, <laughs> and, no, and no knock on him in particular, but just when you have that worldview, it just goes, you cannot see past it. Yeah, and it's everything. Um, yes. Yeah, so for him to say, like, race has to be a part of everything that we make. And one last point on this. Um, race was not in a big factor in the making of the movie Top Gun. And it was so... Mm -hmm. and that, that, I mean, there were diverse characters in it, yeah. but that didn't bother anyone because it yeah. wasn't this it, 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 this critique of Western society and how the patriarchy and white supremacy is imposing its its norms on us and all this. No, it wasn't any of that. It was just mm -hmm. like, yeah, the world has diverse people in it. Like I've been watching some like older, uh, a, we watched Murder, She Wrote the other night with my wife and uh, it's just, hey, black characters just had character, character, not characters, <laughs> characters <laughs> just uh, happen to be in the movies mm -hmm. and, and in the script and, and just written in. And it's just because it reflects the world that we live in. And that's what art should do if, yep. if unless you have some political messaging and that's what turns people off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point, too, because thinking about Top Gun within the school of Top Gun, you know, you had the best of the best pilots from, mm -hmm. you know, the Navy, the Air Force coming to this school. Yep. And the fact that they didn't even ram that down your throat that mm -hmm. these were all different race people it's yep. like oh wait if you don't even mention mention it and then you see that they're there mm -hmm. at the cream of the crop it's they like all oh, earn their way there everybody can get there everybody <laughs> yep. can do right. it as long as they're good as long as they sharpen and that's an skills. american idea too it's a that's the american that's the american dreams no matter who you are where you come from yeah. you can achieve and ascend to the top and mm -hmm. jordan peele is living out that dream too a hundred percent man and you know, like I said, the, his commentary about the film spoiled my idea of what the film was going to be. And when you watch Nope, you don't immediately get the taste of, oh, this is extremely racial. No, I didn't get that throughout the film really at all, unless you are like trying to 
really take a deep dive into it to analyze it. That's when the conversations about race start to pop up. But on its face, the film is not something that shoves that down your throat. So to hear him say this beforehand and then go watch the film, it sort of puts a bad taste in your mouth before you've even watched it. Um, and, and and that's a shame because watching the film, I think it was I think it was great. And there's a lot of things we're going to talk about once we get through this uh, last bit of the interview here. You can't have black people in a flying saucer film and just have it be the same experience. It's, just, you can. it's not. There's a, there's a different relationship. You are a, a biracial man in America, white mom, black father. And some of the themes that we've seen emerge in your films, it would seem from the outside that worldview informs your movie making. In a, in a somewhat pronounced way. Is, is that accurate? My race, I think, has informed my entire artistic <laughs> uh, journey. Mm, and and part of it has been trying to reconcile um, the box and the boxes that um, this the country um, puts people of color in. I would love to hear that fleshed out a little bit more. Like, what is the box that the, this country puts people of color in? And why are there so many people of color that are completely outside of that box, including yourself, I guess, if that's the, the statement that you want to make? I'm so confused as to what the box is that people of color are placed in in this country. I really don't know. Yeah, it's weird for a comedian to also say that because comedians are the ones who push the envelope. They're the ones who right. step outside that box all the time right. to see where they can go with their comedic, you know, acts and, and whatnot. So I, I don't know. I feel like this is just him trying to grasp at straws, even though he knows deep down that what he's saying, it, 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 he can't believe what he is saying. Yeah, but he must. Right. Because it's like I, I but I, I just don't get it. I just I don't get it. Yeah, it's like uh, your own life and your own success is evidence against the beliefs that you espouse and put, mm -hmm. and and cannot let go of, and yet you're literally living a success that you're claiming cannot be accessed. But they will say people. that it is in spite of. Yeah. I'm I'm succeeding in spite of, but it's like. <laughs> but but that should bust your narrative because there's a lot of people who start from the bottom and uh, succeed in spite of huge obstacles in front of them, and that yeah. should bust the narrative that there are insurmountable obstacles facing people. I mean, help me understand this. I know, please, I don't. please, Jordan Peele, please come on the show. I'd love yeah. to talk about it more in depth. I'd love to talk about it more in depth. Let's continue here, and then we'll get to the actual movie itself. And trying to break out of that box, Peele has definitely broken out of the box. He gave me a tour of the newest attraction on the Universal Studios Hollywood backlot, a replica of the Nope set. If someone had said to you 10, 15, 20 years ago that Jordan Peele, one of his films would, would, would have permanent space here on the lot at Universal, what would you have said? I'm so oppressed. I would have said, well, then it would have worked. My plan would have worked. <laughs> this um, is part of the grand plan all along. I mean... Yeah. Okay. You know, I don't. You know, I don't know if I knew to really dream this big, but I. But I did. I did. I mean, when I, you know, when I first came to Universal mm. Studios as a kid, I was just very enamored with movie making. You know, to have a home on on a, a lot, let alone this lot, is just very special to me. Pause. Perfect. I think that's what we'll close out on the interview. Uh, yeah. This is the problem. Here is the problem, and here's why I talk about what I talk about, uh, especially in regard to race. He said, I didn't know to dream that big. I didn't know that I could dream that big. That's the problem. And it's a problem that he's perpetuating by telling people his it, this narrative. Because now you're telling all these other, let's say, young black kids 
who are watching what you're doing and going, man, I wish I could do that. And then you're going, well, the country's placed you in a box, but we haven't. We really haven't. So you are telling all these other kids, like, you don't need to dream that big because here's what's happening in the country right now or you need to fight what's happening in the country right now in order for you to dream that big when that's not the case. And again, it's exactly what happened to me. Like I went from super angry young person, super angry middle schooler, super angry high schooler, super angry activist who is now getting paid to espouse that narrative because I didn't know you could dream bigger than what people told me was the oppressive America. And how many kids, because of this narrative, are getting robbed of that same exact experience? How many other Jordan Peels are there out there? How many other creative or athletic or intellectual beings are there out there who are being marred down by this idea that they shouldn't be able to dream that big when it's not like your talent is going to show through your hustle is going to show through and so many of the people who are present in this film let's say kiki palmer and daniel kaluuya them, themselves they're just astronomical talent in comparison to other actors and, and other people in this business shines through because they dared to let it that's it all you have to do is take the step and dare yourself to be the person to do it. And you will be the person to do it. Yeah. He's literally standing outside of the box that he claims all black people in America are put in. And then he's putting the box on everyone by saying, you know, you shouldn't be able to dream like mm -hmm. to, to achieve what I, what I achieve, what I've literally standing here in the middle of my success. Right. And they, they gave him a, the movie hasn't even come out yet. And they already built a permanent thing at the Universal right. Studios Hollywood for people to go and experience. Like they built an homage to your movie before yep. it's even really been publicly received. That's how much uh, you're not in the box of oppression. And yet for to, so to stand there and say, you know, in the same breath that, uh, yeah, you're achieving all this success, but I shouldn't have dreamed or I shouldn't have known, but I, or I dreamed, but they, but other people shouldn't that, that are in the same box as me. It's yeah. just, it makes no sense. Yeah. It, it's weird too. Isn't that, isn't that a universal human hurdle that we all have to get over is like trying to dream big enough and yep. shoot for yep. the stars. Like we're all going through that every mm -hmm. single person. So it's, it, I mean, not to belittle the, the race uh, points that you were making earlier. It's just like everyone's going through that thought process and trying mm -hmm. to figure it out. Right. But, but black people get told it's harder for you. Like, yeah. I know we're all on the same page, but it's even harder for you as an individual, which is just sucks, which, man. And even if, like, let's say that's true, what's the way out of the box? Is it to stop dreaming? Is it to believe that you can't get out less? Like, right. you say that it just means, okay, use that as motivation that you can work harder. I mean, I'm not even, that's not my, you know, that's, you could say that it's a very condescending way, but it's like, at the mm -hmm. end of the day, the, the, the way that, you, like, things aren't going to be handed to you. And if you play the victim, if you embrace that narrative, it's not going to help you in the end. Yeah. And I see a lot of people in the chat right now. They're just like, oh, this is a misunderstanding. He's just telling his experience. And I totally get that people are sharing their experience. But your personal experience does not speak to a systemic larger pattern. And that's the issue. You know, like if you faced racism on your ascension to Hollywood of being one of the most sought after Hollywood directors alive right now, Okay, cool. Let's talk about those individual experiences of racism that you face. Let's let's call those people out. Let's call that to attention. Uh, but to to then push the narrative that there is a, you know, one by one square foot box that every single black person is born into in this country. That's the problem because it's not the truth. And of course, there are going to be people who experience racism. Of course, absolutely. I've experienced it. Taylor's experienced it. Scott's experienced it. I'm sure everybody in their life has experienced an instance of racism at some point or another. The issue is when we start 
pushing a systemic narrative and saying everybody who is within this racial demographic is going to experience it. Uh, and I think that's where we, we end as far as commentary on on this, because it in a lot of ways, and this is this could just be my fault, but his ideas surrounding race spoiled me like starting to watch the film. Eventually that all evaporated as you got farther into the film and you went, oh, okay, this is really not what I thought it was going to be. With Get Out, it was much more clear sort of uh, the narrative that you were getting as far as it pertained to white versus black, specifically white liberals in a sense versus the black character. Like we want to, we uh, admire blackness in a way, but not in the way that we accept black people for who they are, in the way that we want to appropriate from them. We want to take something from them. We want to take the ability that is distinct to black people, but not attribute it to the blackness. And that was very much the message that you got with Get Out from start to finish in in more ways than one, even down to small metaphorical symbolism, like the love interest in the movie separating the colored Fruit Loops from her white milk as she ate them. So it was abundantly clear in Get Out. I feel like with Nope, uh, it wasn't like that as much. Uh, for me, Nope seemed to be a, a commentary more about like working class people and lower income people, which I think could have been uh, something that we talked about more, although race was injected into it a little bit. And I am going to let Scott sort of take on some of this commentary. He is our film major, our resident film expert here. <laughs> film and he graduate. like he saw through this movie 2020. I got like a little bit. I would say I got like 20, 20 percent, 20 to 25 percent of the symbolism. I got like five. <laughs> Taylor got like five. And then Scott, Scott was like 100 like percent guns blazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It, it's interesting because you're you're 100 right that Get Out was just definitely more in your face, but mm -hmm. this was a very heavy heavily layered film. It had so many different um, different pieces of commentary, uh, social commentary pieces that that he was trying to hit. You know, you had um, I think this is more of an homage to um, you know not to butcher that word or keep using it, but mm -hmm. it's an homage to uh, the crews that work on all of these major projects yep. uh, and even small projects in Hollywood. You know, they are the ones who are just worked to the bone. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. it, it, it's unbelievable the hours. There are reasons why they go on strike because they are they're you know it's almost as though they're in a sweatshop essentially mm -hmm. making these things. Also, spoiler alert, guys, if you are planning on watching the film. Yes. Yeah. Dip sorry. out right we're now. Start, yeah, we're starting <laughs> to get into the, the meat. Yeah. 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 We're yeah so um, it's it's essentially, uh, you know, discussing um, that whole issue with the working class and giving them some sort of recognition for for creating these these works of art or sometimes these flops. Um, right. But the worst part about it, too, is like it, it, he's showing he's showing that um, those in the crew take on the brunt of those flops too. And it could ruin careers, um, you know, ruin family legacies or, or businesses um, and, and, and really uh, hurt those working class people. Right. Um, it's, it's really, it's really, uh, you know, as a fan of film, mm -hmm. I loved hearing that, mm -hmm. um, you know, those behind the camera are so important to every single project that's made. Yeah. Um, and it, it doesn't come to light unless, unless those people are there and they sacrifice um, all those hours. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that there was a very covert uh, way of uh, infusing the race issues, though, mm -hmm. in this one, in a way that uh, was more in your face in Get Out. Mm -hmm. um, and 
Oh, and, and just for just for your clarity on this, let's give like a quick summary oh, yeah, of, of how of how the film plays out and, and what it is really regarding. So you got Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer, who are a, a brother sister pair who own a business. And it's a Hayward horse ranch, essentially, where they use these horses for films and theme parks and attractions. And they are the horse trainers and wranglers. Now, they this business was uh, they were running with their father, the father has an, uh, a demise uh, in the beginning of the film and it follows Daniel and Kiki going through their experience of continuing to run uh, this horse training ranch that goes out to these movies. So the horse ranch is is visited by uh, a supernatural alien slash animal being that is constantly overseeing everything and has its home in a a cloud over their ranch. So it's following uh, Daniel and Kiki recognizing this creature, an alien, and sort of trying to get a a money shot, a shot of this creature in order to uh, gain a little bit of recognition, maybe some money to continue on on their endeavors in life. And uh, so it's all about them learning what this creature is, what it does, what it's after, why it's here, trying to get this shot of the creature. And we have some unlikely characters who join in and are are trying to help them out uh, in doing so. And in the background of all that, there is a Western attraction sort of theme park that people are uh, going to. It's very lowbrow tourist attraction run by uh, an actor by the name of Stephen Yoon. Uh, and in his backstory starts with him being a, a child actor on a show with uh, a sitcom with an ape that's a character in it. And that ape causes a traumatic event where many of the characters die. Stephen Yoon survives uh, while seeing this whole traumatic event play out. And he's now this theme park slash tourist attraction director who is sort of stuck in this Hollywood cycle of just trying to entice people with a spectacle. You hear the word spectacle throughout this film quite a bit. Uh, And he's also sort of memorialized his experience on that old sitcom with the monkey. He has props and memorabilia from it that he shows people for a fee. And instead of viewing that as a traumatic experience that he went through as a child and in going through a healthy process of coming to terms with it, he's sort of selling it out for people to see and experience and creating his own sort of Hollywood spectacle around it. So uh, the film tracks Daniel and, and Kiki recognizing this creature trying to figure it out, and eventually defeating it. That makes sense. Hopefully that was a, a good enough summary. That was summary. a good off-the-cuff synopsis. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't have been well done. I'm impressed you remembered the actors and actresses. Yeah. 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 Didn't know the beginning. Remember Kiki. Thank you. Hopefully yeah. you guys followed that because it's a lot. It was like a two-and-a-half-hour, I feel like, film that I'm yeah. trying to... Yeah. Sum up for you guys. No, you did you did a very good job. And awesome. and on on top of that, um yeah, talking back to it, the multi-layered aspects of this of this film and the race was kind of snuck in there with the yep. fact that okay, yes, you're talking about the working class, the the crews of these Hollywood actors or of these projects. Um and it just so happens that the business the horse business mm-hmm. is owned by black people, so it's like yes. a double uh, a double edged sword and attack on the entire um, Hollywood Hollywood monster that just eats people up and spits them out, similar to the alien monster. Right. Um, and it's uh, it's very interesting how the alien 
um, you know, depicted, uh, we were talking about it, like the heart or the eye of the alien was very, very similar to the uh, lens of a camera. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it represents Hollywood just eating people up and spitting them out like it's nothing. And um, it's it, it was really interesting to see. But that's the crazy thing is he's so good that he can sneak these covert messages into his um, into mm -hmm. his story and do it very well to where right. you could literally walk away and just be like, oh, you know, that was entertaining. Like, right. I, there's nothing. There's <laughs> Which is me, dumb me. I'm just <laughs> like, oh, I didn't really catch any of the messaging there, but it was a cool movie about this and that. But but, yeah. I, but as you explain things to me, I'm like, oh, that is a commentary on this and that. And like yeah. like you talked about the the layers of it. It's like this, this big monster of the machine that represents Hollywood chews up and spits out uh, the cast and crew, but also you could interpret it as uh, black people or yep. minority actors actors and mm -hmm. actresses and then also like the animals that are used which then there's truth to all of those uh to all of those critiques yeah. um and he's weaving them all together in this in this one big uh experience yeah i, I kind of want to speak to how how the movie starts and it starts uh with with a shot of a, a black horse jockey sitting on a horse and the horse is galloping and it's one of the first films that was ever created and uh, they open by talking about how this black jockey was really never credited for being uh, a person present on one of the first films ever created and it, everybody just always talks about the horse so there's this idea of just black people being exploited not only in the film industry but just in general and being sort of pivotal pieces of what are very memorable moments but constantly being forgotten and that's what happens to the character throughout the film as they're renting out these horses to different uh, Hollywood projects or, or different theme parks and things so many people are just comfortable utilizing their labor, utilizing their time, and then kicking them to the curb when it no longer serves them. There's a scene where uh, Daniel Kaluuya is brought a horse to a Hollywood set, and they're trying to utilize this horse and very much exploiting him. And he tells them all the time, you know, don't look the horse in the eyes, don't bother it, don't get behind it. And they're constantly not listening to him. And eventually the horse bucks and they go, you know what? We don't want the horse anymore. And as the horse is walking out with Daniel Kaluuya, they walk in this wooden CGI green screen horse that they're going to use for the film. And it, it very much is saying, you know, we're, we're totally fine with utilizing people for what they can give us. Uh, and, and when they can't give us what we want anymore, we'll we'll switch them out for some sort of inanimate object that's that's utterly disposable. And, and that theme comes through a lot, as well as the themes of of respect uh the soul the whole don't look the horse in the eyes thing comes throughout the film uh daniel kaluuya as, as scott will say one of the only people he will look in the eye and give respect to is his sister kiki palmer who's you know also the the fellow top black actor in the show and the alien animal creature that is hovering around and killing all these people is killing people that look it directly in the eye and refuse to look away to show respect uh so so much of that, I think, is just interwoven throughout and just like punishing people who look for spectacle more than they're looking for like realness or respecting others. Yeah, no, you nailed that point. Good job. <laughs> really good. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I would add on to that just to kind of piggyback. Um, you know, we were talking about the interesting dynamic between um, the opening scene of, of the chimpanzee and what happened on the set mm -hmm. and the fact that, you know, um, after the chaos and carnage that happens on the scene, you have Steven, uh, Steven's character as a child underneath this table shaking in fear. Right. And after the ape finishes his carnage, he comes and fist bumps Steven, mm -hmm. which is um, another thing that we were talking about is it, it, it's a s subtle way to insert this, um, you know, hey, like we're ripping the mask or literally the face off of Hollywood um, or old Hollywood 
um, where it was prominently controlled and acted uh, by white people. Um, and and um, this champ is what ripped the face off. And it's just like, hey, it's our turn now, kind of. Or yeah. at least that's that's kind of the vibe that that scene gave off. Yeah. And and, and to, to explain that scene a little bit, uh, just to give you some, some background to it. Like I said, Stephen Yoon, uh, who now runs the theme park as an adult, as a younger uh, child, was a child actor on a sitcom. And it's one of those family ha-ha studio sitcoms that people watch live. And he's got these two white parents with a white daughter. And then there's Stephen Yoon, who's this Asian young kid and uh, a separate character. The main character is this monkey or, or gorilla, whatever we want to call it, ape named Gordy. And Gordy is sort of the highlight of the show. Funny, funny, haha, but very much disposable to the directors and the actors and the people who are creating this show for them. And, uh, they, they come together to celebrate Gordy's birthday, which obviously they're not celebrating. They're utilizing this ape for their show to get the ha-has and then he's back in the cage. And, and during the filming of this episode, Gordy uh, becomes erratic. He attacks and kills the mother, the father, and rips the face off the young white girl who is the daughter. And, and Steven Yoon, the Asian young character, is left unharmed and... Throughout the carnage, this monkey's covered in blood. He comes up to, to Stephen Yoon, as Scott said, and tries to fist bump him, which is something that the character constantly did during the sitcom and was sort of this spectacle <laughs> that everybody liked to see. And as their, their fists are just about to touch, uh, animal control comes and shoots the ape in the head, which again is, I think, another uh, tie back to the symbolism of now that this thing is not doing what I want it to do, it's disposable. Let's get rid of it. And the fact that he's an ape, I think, is probably symbolism on race as well. We all know the caricature of black people and comparing them to to monkeys and apes and things like that. So I think that's that's present in the film as well. I also don't think it's just sheer uh, coincidence that the white mother and father were killed and the young white girl was deformed for the rest of her life. And the same thing happened with the horses, right? right. I mean, the white horses were, were eaten by the monster yeah. and the black one survived. It was yes. called Lucky. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The the one black horse that survived, yeah, his name is Lucky. So there's there's constant color symbolism yeah. in in throughout this movie that I think shines through, but you have to think about it enough for it to shine through. On its first watch, if you just left that and didn't have that in the back of your mind as something you were thinking about, you you wouldn't I don't think you'd think about it. I don't think it would ever cross your mind. Yeah, uh, it, it kind of crossed mine, but, well, yeah, <laughs> also, but also, yeah, but yeah, the average, got, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to say that. In no, any, no, no, any no, no, no. Scott's but, like, yeah, you're you're totally right. Like the mm -hmm. average viewer, it's it's an entertaining movie. Yeah. Um, granted, it's an homage to Spielberg and M Night Shyamalan. But the weird thing is, is if M Night had produced this movie, I'm pretty sure a lot of people would be like, hmm, that. Uh, end of the second act and third act kind of unraveled and it's kind of like uh you know it kind of loses its luster i mm -hmm. thought it was a great first act and first half of the second act because mm -hmm. you know the tensions rising we're like what the heck is going on yep. the sky is utilized so beautifully the cinematography right. at night never seen night shots like that before in my life it's so gorgeous but it kind of teeters at the end and i don't know if mm -hmm. if jordan peele wasn't uh who he is or you know as prominent as he is right now i wonder uh what people would think if say like an m night Shyamalan, who happens to be technically a minority right. uh, would yeah. have created this can you explain that a little more how it's an homage to those two directors because when you explained it to me after the movie it blew my mind yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no no so i would say it's a it's an homage to uh spielberg in a sense that um it harkens back uh, or it has echoes of jaws 
um, because yeah. for that first half of the movie, we're so enamored as to what the heck this thing is mm-hmm. because we're only seeing like shadows, mm-hmm. you know, right. flashes in, right. in the, and it, it's very reminiscent of the waters. Right. Within, within that movie of Jaws. Like, right, the ship's like the shark fin in the sky. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. It's it's the dorsal fin, and it's um, it's it's it, he did a masterful job at, at utilizing the sky, the clouds, and, you know, something we as humans can all relate to, similarly to water and what Spielberg did with water. It's, mm-hmm. it's the right. unknown. Um, we yep. all look up, you know, and we see the clouds, but beyond those clouds, it's a mystery. Right. Um, so it, it was it was masterfully done in that sense. Um, and I say M. Night because, you know, he he uses that tension very well and, and uses these disguises through his dialogue and his and his cinematography. And it's it, it, it was beautifully done. Yeah. And there, there's this idea that I think is becoming more popular in horror movies now that it's not about gore. It's not about seeing what's scary. It's about thinking that there could be something there that's scary. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what what was happening in Jaws. Like you didn't need to see the shark and the blood in the water to know and to feel the fear and suspense of looking at this and not knowing what's coming mm-hmm. uh it's something that john krasinski used when he made a quiet place you know mm-hmm. you don't need the scary sounds you don't need to see the monster itself to know that it's there and to to feel an immense fear and just not being able to see it the invisible man does the same thing with horror so i i jj abrams mystery box his mm-hmm. whole yeah. mm-hmm. right right so yeah this idea of not having to see what's scary in order to feel scared is really super cool and like we're talking about this from the political lens and race and everything but this was a good film yeah. like, like, I would recommend that if you have time and if you want to go to the movies, this is something that you should go and see. Yeah, yeah. I, I would. I agree as well. But mm-hmm. I think to Scott's point of a minute ago, that's an interesting thought is that like, does he do you think he falls short of those other directors um, from a messaging standpoint? Because he, it's not about taking the art form of the mystery to its limit or to what you know, Spielberg's artful uh, way that he um Put, gives you the movie, the classic film experience. Uh, for him, it was, do you think he had to like jam that that sort of layers of messaging in at the end and tied it up in a certain way that fit the narrative he was trying to push and that's why it maybe kind of fell off at the end? Yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Mm. It's like having, having because he had, again, there's so many layers to it, he had to somehow get them all within their own quote unquote character arc and finishing yeah. in the right way and doing that with so many messages which just you know it's it's difficult to do like only so many people can do it and they don't they're not able to do it every single time um that's why some some movies of theirs is, are great and others are not um and yeah i the guy has serious talent mm-hmm. he's just sharpening that sword of talent if if you will like with three movies so far under his belt He's done phenomenally, phenomenally, um, though I think this one kind of it's definitely better than us mm-hmm. um, story wise, uh, but it still doesn't uh, touch Get Out um, as as closely. Right. I, I, I what's interesting to me. So there's this constant theme of like people taking advantage of and exploiting natural things like exploiting animals, exploiting people's uh, need to want to see something that's spectacular, uh, just exploiting this alien in a lot of ways too, to where like the people who die in this film, you don't necessarily feel bad for. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what I, what I was interested to see is like, as, as much as they talk about that and they make it a theme of like, you really don't really feel bad for the people who die in this because of what they're doing, because of what they're exploiting, aren't Kiki and Daniel doing the same thing by like meeting this creature and instead of leaving, you know, the place that they're living going, you know what? No, we're going to get it on film. We're going to get yeah. our Oprah moment. We're going to get we're gonna this caught. We're going to exploit the exploiter. Right. Ooh. Which 
but when you're watching the film, uh, it comes off as if it's okay for these two characters to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's not well, okay for and, any other character to do it. And that is, what is that? That <laughs> is a woke CRT worldview. Is yeah. let's, the system has exploited us. The only way to remedy past discrimination is with pre- dis- present discrimination. If that's right. your worldview, then that and your view of justice in the world is, no, it's not that we get to the place of neutrality where principles of justice and truth stand on their own and now uh, we're all subject to them and they govern us no it's mm-hmm. I you had the power and now I'm taking the power back and yeah and taking I just, advantage yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's and interesting. It's, it's a great point bringing bringing that up because I didn't even think about that uh-huh. uh, but it was it was something in I don't know if you ever saw the power of the dog um, no I haven't it's it's Mm-mm. a very similar message where um, a, a young um, homosexual uh, character within that um, essentially was the champion and he took out the toxic masculine man who mm. had homosexual under undercurrents mm-hmm. and like hidden life ah. but we replaced that quote-unquote toxic mas- masculinity with uh deceptive um murder right um and we're supposed to feel good about that and be like oh this is the hero um and, right. and i mean not it, this movie didn't show that to that degree but it's no. it's totally it's you, you hit the nail it's on the It's something head you feel. You feel good that they're doing what they're doing. And mm-hmm. while, whereas when you watch other people do it, you're like, oh, well, they can die. And I don't really care. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. it's. I mean, again, <clears throat> that's just a, that's, that's a worldview that's not uh, based on principles that exist outside of who who's in power at the given moment yeah um and it's based on no i was done wrong and i you know vengeance is mine i will repay right mm. right someone one other quick i saw in the chat here eddie sure. said i will i go see a movie made by a crt director nope <laughs> <laughs> and I, but to, to, to be fair i mean that that is a a fair way to view it if you hear this stuff that that uh, he's saying in these right. interviews and and it puts you off and you know going into it that even if you might not be able to spot it on the surface that there's some messaging in there that's then you know i think that's within your right to not support something that you know and, and on the flip side uh leftists don't like to go to chick-fil-a even though the chicken mm-hmm. might be great and they might enjoy it but they, but they don't do like it. the owner's uh stances on on gay marriage or whatever yeah. it may be and i you know if if that's the message that you want to send to them and vote with your wallet in that way that's fair game that's sure. not cancel culture that's just right. i mean it, they, it can descend into that right. but uh but anyway that's i just thought that was an interesting point uh yeah i would i would say don't uh, go if, if that's the message you want to send you don't have to support it yeah and yeah. i mean i think we all th- there are times when i can separate art from artist uh while still like analyzing and mm-hmm. doing that and you make that personal decision right. like there are companies that will do certain things and I'm like oh I'm not going to support that company anymore and there will there are artists that will say certain things or do something things and I'm like I'm not going to support them anymore and there are artists that I can support you know I, I'm not going to stop listening to Joni Mitchell because she took her stuff off of Spotify and despite Joe Rogan uh, I think we all make our personal decisions I think we all make our personal decisions like based on uh, based on the, the situation yeah. at hand uh, and I'm I'm more than happy to go and watch something like this and i admire it like this this was good i don't want to make it sound like this movie right. was bad the movie was good uh i particularly liked one of these characters that we didn't even speak about but he works at sort of like a video tech store uh <laughs> oh, yeah, and, he was cool. and yeah they meet him to buy security cameras to catch footage of this ufo and he suddenly invests himself in the situation because he's invested in you know the conspiracy of ufos being real and the government lying about it or at least trying to keep information from us so i was like yeah, I he feel- was like hispanic or whatever so i feel like he was like untouched by the by any like racial undertones to his mm-hmm. role right <laughs> so he was just yeah. kind of like this lovable guy that was just there he was then, just based and you didn't like <laughs> but you didn't like the uh photographer or director guy yeah it was, it was a weird character there's a character there. that pops up i think 
purely for the sake. Uh, this is just know. my opinion. I think it's uh, I think it's Jordan Peele like putting his essence into a character mm. a little bit of like as a as a creative person and as a director, I am going to get the perfect shot for my perfect movie. There mm -hmm. is not going to be a stone left unturned. There's not going to be any plot holes and everything is going to mean something. Uh, and there's a director that sort of pops up because Kiki Palmer calls him and says, you know, we got to get footage of this alien. You know, you're going to want to see it. You're going to want to see it. This is our this is our move to the top. And he's like, nah, you know, I, I don't I don't know what you're talking about. And I don't think I think you're just pulling my leg here. And eventually he gets invested and he gets so invested that when the alien does appear, even though they've got, they've basically got a shot of it. Like they have enough to say, I have proof of this. He's like, it's not enough. I want to- The lighting's hit. perfect. The lighting's <laughs> perfect. I want to get the magic uh, impossible shot. And he dies trying to get that shot. The alien kills him. Yeah, that's definitely a tip of the cap to all artists out there willing to die for their, right. you know, their, their, um, their baby, which is the project mm -hmm. or their, or their, uh, film. And, um, yeah, it was, it, it was interesting, you know, like I personally didn't hate it, but it was also blown up. Like, you know, his, mm -hmm. his, his speech and everything. Yeah, his voice was and stuff was irksome. I like yeah. when you explain it like that, it's like, it's a cool thing. And it's an interesting wrinkle to put in there as like a little tip of the cap to, to artists. Mm -hmm. But the, the way they put his character, yeah. his, his he was voice unlikable. was unlikable. Yeah. yeah. Actually, the, I'm reminded of the, uh, Kean Peele has a skit where Jordan Peele plays a retired, uh, uh, soldier or something. And they're yeah. like trying to get him to come out of retirement. He's like, no, I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> like, this guy reminds me of that. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. 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 Literally, he only speaks in metaphors yeah. and is like super gruff. yeah every word is at least five syllables or more type of character another uh, another layer to it also adding him in there is it's it's another tip to the cap to old school hollywood with mm -hmm. the old camera that wasn't mechanical it wasn't powered mm -hmm. by electricity um and he kind of represented that the old um call it pure art that was being made back in the day as opposed to these days that it's just so CGI'd it's it's so over the top everything's I mean I don't hate him but everything's a Michael Bay uh, kind of movie <laughs> uh, spectacle as as the yeah. word was tossed around multiple multiple times so it's it's Jordan mm. was definitely adding his you know his artistic flair to this and it was you know it was interesting because those layers um, you know it hits it hits a chord for for so many people in in the yeah. filmmaking industry and just artistry uh, abroad um, so yeah it's 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 hard to hate this one no yeah. it is hard to hate it and if you go into this movie thinking about like lower class lower income people and, and people who maybe are extremely creative and powerful and have like a, a great personality and energy about them, but just simply don't have the means to express that or to become what they're meant to become. Beautiful film. And you can see that. I mean, I, I'll be the first to step up and say, yeah, there's so many working class people who are exploited day in and day out for what it is that they can give. And they're never truly compensated for what they what they've given uh, for the artistry that they've created. And they're seen as disposable, which is in so many ways wrong, in so many ways needs to be fixed. And if you go into this film like thinking in in that way and watching it in that way, it's super powerful, I think. Yeah. And I mean, as even if, if you broaden the critique to uh, society at large and like, yeah, Hollywood chooses people up and spits people out. But mm -hmm. yeah, you know, society, the world does. And, and it's not mm -hmm. a, it's not always a fair place. And there are racial dynamics to that. There are yep. uh, there are class dynamics to that. And, right. and that it's it's a. It is a fair critique in that sense. But the question is, again, like we said before, like, what is the how are you resolving that conflict or what is your vision for the future of how things are supposed to be remediated? Mm -hmm. And the, the, the thing that he uh, the way that he wrapped that up was this sort of vengeful. Uh, let's flip the script and let the low class uh, people 
be the ones in control and they do the exploiting now. And like, I, that's the part of the messaging that I'm like, can't sign off on. Yeah, yeah. The, the have nots will now have. And that's very much like a subtext. You could say we're reading that into it a little bit, but I, it's it's there. Mm-hmm. And you watch it, it and you tell us. Yeah. 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 You the watch it and you tell us because it is the opening <laughs> weekend, ladies and gentlemen. And I do encourage you to watch it if you want to. Uh, if you don't want to support him, that's a total another thing. It is money in his pocket. But uh, yeah, I think the the best thing that can be done is to just keep creating, keep making films like this and just prove yourself. And he has proven himself. And that that's the best thing you could do for uh, any young black kid anywhere who's thinking, oh, I can't, or I'm a have not in, in this life because I've been born here in America, which <laughs> try being born in any other country as a black person and see who's truly a have not, uh, which doesn't mean there's not progress to be made here. But I, I really am. Uh, I really do think it's important how you talk about modern America. Like, I think it's wonderful that he spoke about the black horse jockey who is in this film, whether or not it's true or not. But there's so many instances of black people in the past being utilized in Hollywood and not credited and never talked about and never been being given what they they were due. Uh, so that's a wonderful conversation to have. Historical conversations are wonderful conversations to have. And present conversations are wonderful conversations to have so long as the the lighting's right, you know, and you're mm-hmm. actually giving a fair shake to what is possible and what people are capable of. That's my problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else? Any other uh, closing notes before we before we close out today's show on Nope by Jordan Peele? Nope. I think I've said everything I had to say. Yeah, no. Uh, the, the, the movie's great. Keeps you on the edge of your seat at times. Is funny at times. Thought I was going to cry. Did not cry, but I almost did cry, and I'm just going to do this, and then you'll know if you go and watch the movie what moment I almost cried at, Uh, and uh, that's it. So I think it was an all-encompassing good experience, and something that even if you disagree with will spark conversation, and that's it. As all good art should. Yeah, so uh, out of 10, what are we rating this film, guys? And this, if you guys want this to be a recurring series, let us know where we go and watch these films as they come out and give you an episode the day of or the next day where we talk about what we saw. Um, yeah, what's what out of 10, what are you giving it? Uh, I, I don't know. Six and a half. Six and a half? It's hard for me to go higher than that just because uh, the subtext just kills it for me. And like I think the at the end of the day, your me- the message you're putting out there mm. is not one that I think is good for the world. Um, but... Uh, overall, the way the film is made, the creativity, the artfulness, all that is is you know off the charts. And so, in that sense, I'll give that a nine. And but and so it averages out. There you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six and a half. Yeah, yeah. I would say I would say on the woke meter, it's a five and a half, six uh, because it's all kind of uh, covert stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the artistic side, um, shooting was amazing. I would yeah. give it. Uh, I would give that obviously a nine ten uh, story cool. seven. So in total. Let's call, let's call it a seven. Okay, yeah, uh, let's do it that way. Let's woke meter. I give it a four and four, four and a half maybe. On uh, cinematography, nine, really, really great. And uh, storyline and just the whole watch through, seven and a half. Boom. There we go. Okay. Boom. Yeah. So you guys go and watch the film if you want to. Let us know how you feel about it and give us your three scores. How was it on wokeness? How was it on cinematography? How was it on plot and just overall storyline? Let us know in the comments down below. And uh, yeah, hopefully, I'm sure a lot of people are going to look this up because it's opening weekend and they just want to see general reviews. So maybe we'll get some left-leaning people who go out and watch this video uh, and uh, give us their perspective on that. So if you disagree with anything that we said, write that in the comments down below. If you agree, leave it in the comments down below. If there's something that we left out, leave that 
that in the comments down below. And of course, give us your three scorings for the movie itself. Guys, please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time we go live and every single time we put out a video so that you are right there front and center when we're talking to you about hot topics. And if you'd like to listen to this podcast, go to Google Play, Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star review. Thank you guys so much for watching. Have a fantastic weekend. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.